Our theme for this Advent season is from generation to generation, and we'll be talking about the the story of Christmas as it's been passed down from generation to generation, the story of the the birth of Jesus Christ that changed the world. And today we'll begin with uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, beginning with the first 17 verses. That's found on page 783 in your pew Bible if you'd like to follow along with me. But before we read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as a church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Matthew chapter 1, reading the first 17 verses. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Amenadab, and Amenadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abaha, and Abahab the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok, Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Elihud, and Elihud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathen, and Mathen the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. After reading those names, I'm going to need a drink of water here. (laughs) I have never lived in a two-story house. My house, when I was growing up in South Carolina, was a ranch-style house, and the house that we live in now is a one-story ranch-style house. So maybe that's why every time we go to visit Julianne's family, like we did this past week, I admire their staircase. 
There's nothing really fancy about their staircase, but they have decorated it so nicely. On both walls going up the staircase, they have pictures of generations of their family five or six generations or so. And as you walk up the staircase, the pictures get older and older till you get to the top of the staircase. They're like these little black and white photos that look like they're from the Depression or something. You feel like you've almost walked back in time as you go up that staircase. As you come down that staircase and you look at the pictures, you can see the, the features that have been passed on from generation to generation in the family. One side of the, of the wall is, is Julianne's mother's family, the Gulterman family. And if you start up at the top and walk down, you can see all those gifts that they have passed down, these big, beautiful eyes and these big, beautiful smile that have been passed down from generation all the way to my beautiful wife, Julianne. And on the other side, you see her father's family, the Shirik family, and they have similar features that have been passed down. Their fathers have big, rosy cheeks with little dimples in them, and when they smile and laugh really big, you can see their eyes almost squint up, almost to the point where you can't see their eyes anymore. And you can see that one picture after another as you walk up and down that staircase. Those are the things you can see, but there are other characteristics that they have passed on as well. Things like faith and hope and love that we talk about in church all the time. Julianne's grandmother actually was a, a Lutheran most of her life and, and taught Sunday school at times in a Lutheran church. Her, her mother did the same. And on her father's side, her grandfather was a, a Presbyterian elder for many years. In fact, he was the moderator of a, Presbyterian, uh, a presbytery here in, in Florida for many years. They pass that faith on to their children. And even though we can't always see it in their faith, you can see it in their actions, how it's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. I think Thanksgiving and Christmas is a good time to think about those generations, those people that came before us, and we can think about the gifts that we have received from them, from generations before us, those gifts that we stand on for absolutely we would not be the people that we are if it weren't for those people who came before us. Maybe that's why Matthew begins the Christmas story with a genealogy. He begins by telling us the, the, the generations that led from Abraham all the way down to Joseph, the father of Jesus. Maybe that's why he tells it, because it's important for us to think about the gifts that come from generation to generation. Now, just a little aside, if you're ever going to write a biography or an autobiography, I would encourage you not to begin with a genealogy. Because genealogies are probably the parts of the Bible that are skipped over the most. I don't know how many of you have read the book of Numbers cover to cover, or how many of you have read this, these first 17 verses of Matthew many times over. We skip those because a lot of those names are names that people with southern accents like me have a hard time pronouncing, and they, they seem like they're a little bit obscure to us. Some of those names we don't even recognize. But for some reason, Matthew wants us to know each of these generations, one by one by one, so that we know where Joseph come, came from, and we also know the gifts that have been passed down from generation to generation. Imagine, if you will, in fact, 
that Joseph was walking up staircase in his own house, and he had portraits on either side of the wall, portraits of the names of the people that we see listed in the first few verses of Matthew. Starting at the top in those old black and white photos would be Father Abraham. We all know Father Abraham. Father Abraham was listed all throughout this Bible as a a model of faithfulness. He was the one where the, the great covenant came from. The covenant, I will be your God and you will be my people. That came from Abraham. And you can see the resemblance as he passed on that faithfulness to his children, Isaac, and and to his grandson, Jacob, and to all of those 12 brothers and sisters, the 12 tribes of Israel that we know so well. After those names, there's probably another big portrait there on the wall of Judah. Judah is one of those 12 brothers and sisters that he gave his name to the southern kingdom. We called it the southern kingdom of Judah. In fact, that's why we call Jewish people Jews, because it comes from the name Judah, this great brother who established the kingdom of Israel along with all of his other brothers and sisters. From there... We move down to another great name of faithfulness, a woman named Ruth. Ruth wasn't even a a, a Jewish person. Really, she wasn't a, a Hebrew, but she was known for her incredible faithfulness, maybe even more so than the other Jews around her by clinging to Naomi and staying with her her whole life and, and clinging to God. And then finally, right there in the middle of the staircase, we get to a big portrait of King David. That's probably why Matthew wants us to know this story, this long genealogy. He wants us to make sure we know that Joseph came from King David because King David is the one. It's from King David, that root from the stump of Jesse that the Messiah is supposed to come from. And we know those good gifts of King David too. His courage that he was able to defeat uh, Goliath. His courage of going out into battle and, and leading the people of Israel to become the great nation that they were. And even after King David, there are other great names of great kings. Hezekiah and Josiah. People who were faithful. Faithful to a fault even because they didn't want to let God down. You can look closely and see the family resemblance of faithfulness from from family to family, from generation to generation. It's always nice to think about those wonderful gifts, especially at Thanksgivings and Christmases, to think about those good gifts that have been passed on to us from those families that have gone on before us. Julianne and I had a chance to do that this past week, in fact, while we were with our family. On Friday after Thanksgiving, we celebrated the life of her grandmother, Ruth, who had passed away many months ago. We sat around and talked about some of the gifts that she had passed on to us. Some of you all know, in fact, that the Julianne, every Christmas time, she bakes caramels. It's something that is a tradition that was passed on to her from her grandmother, Ruth. But it was just this year that I learned the story behind that. When Ruth was a young woman, a friend of hers, a a doctor in town named Georgie Burt, invited her to come over and bake some Christmas goodies with her. And Ruth's first reaction was, I can't bake. But Georgie Burt said, can't is not a part of my vocabulary. And so two days later, Ruth was sitting in Georgie's kitchen cooking caramels with her. And that's where that recipe came from. But that also became Ruth's mantra all throughout her life. Can't is not a part of my vocabulary. From the time when she was a child and she lost one of her brothers, 
she kept going because that's what her family did. When their family lost their farm during the Depression and had to move away, they kept going because Kent was not a part of their vocabulary. When she was a a young mother and her first husband died in a terrible automobile accident, she kept going because Kent, not a part of her vocabulary, even in her 80s when she battled cancer, Kent was not a part of her vocabulary. And let me tell you, being married to her granddaughter, there's a family resemblance. What a great gift to pass down from generation to generation to generation. I imagine Joseph sitting there flipping through this photo album, looking at all of these great people that came on before him and thought of the great gifts that they gave to him. The gifts that he had the chance now as one of their descendants to use and to share and to give. But any biblical scholar will tell you that there are some skeletons in that closet as well. That's the way it is with Most families, in fact, there are good things that are passed down from generation to generation and bad things that are passed down as well. And I bet Joseph, as he was looking through that photo album, walking up and down that staircase, he remembered some of those stories too. Stories like Abraham, who was supposed to be this faithful person, but lied at least a couple of times about his marriage to Sarah to save his own skin. He, uh, after he uh, got Hagar pregnant and she had her child, and once Isaac was born, he sent Hagar and that child Ishmael away, just banished them without even thinking about it because that's what he was supposed to do. He passed that on to his children as well, that trauma and that pain that came down through generations. Judah, that great person that we know that lent his name to the southern kingdom, he was also one of those brothers who sold his brother Joseph into slavery. And of course, King David. Who could say anything bad about King David? Well, right there in the Scripture it is. He had a child with someone else's wife. They didn't even bother to mention Bathsheba's name. They just mentioned Uriah. And oh, by the way, Uriah, that's who David had killed. And there are other wicked people listed there as well. Not many women's names mentioned, but there are a couple there, Tamar and Rahab, both people who are thought to be promiscuous, thought to be prostitutes, thought to be people with sordid pasts, all listed there in that genealogy. And there may even be, if you compare it to First Chronicles, there may even be one name missing. Uh, a, a wicked king uh, named Oh, I'm forgetting it now. Not Jehoshaphat. Jehoiakim. That's it. It's not in there and I need to remember it. King Jehoiakim, who was a a puppet king that was pushed around by the Babylonians. He was so wicked they didn't even put his name in there. Disney did a story about it. They might say, we don't talk about Jehoiakim. So many different bad gifts. Brokenness amongst the blessedness that's passed down from generation to generation. And we have to admit, that's part of our story too. Part of the story of the Christian church. No matter how far back you want to go, you can go all the way back to Constantine and you can see that the church has struggled with money and power and corruption. You can go back for generations and you can see how the church has persecuted people of other faiths, persecuted people of other races, persecuted people of different genders, persecuted people all by just trying to build themselves up by tearing other people down. 
And I have to admit, it's a part of my Christian heritage as well. Many of you know I went to Columbia Theological Seminary. I'm proud of the work that I did there. Some great professors that I had there. Great names like Walter Brueggemann, Shirley Guthrie, Barbara Brown Taylor. There's another name that I learned while I was there, a a man named George Howe, who was one of the early founders of the seminary. He and his wife lived in South Carolina, owned a plantation there with 60-some-odd slaves. And it was those slaves who did their work and were exploited. That money was funneled to the seminary to support the seminary, to keep it afloat, to keep it working so that those ministers could Learn how to be preachers like me. That's a part of our past. And for all the good things, the blessed things that we're so proud of, there's brokenness that we have to remember too. Because there's brokenness in our churches even now. Ways that we point our fingers at the hypocrisy in the world around us and they just turn around and point right back to us and say, no, there's hypocrisy inside the church too. That's that gift that we have inherited, the blessedness and the brokenness from generation to generation to generation. I imagine Joseph flipping through that photo album and thinking of both the blessedness and the brokenness and wondering which part belonged to him. Which one of those gifts had he inherited? Maybe some of it, maybe all of it. And that's where our gospel begins because Joseph has to make a quick decision about which one of those gifts he will pass on. Because you see, an angel comes to him and tells him that this woman Mary, who he's supposed to marry, is already pregnant with a child. This woman Mary, who he's supposed to marry, is already pregnant and he has the choice of of pushing her out, banishing her away, just like Abraham did to Hagar. He has the choice of calling her names like they did to Tamar and Rahab. Or he could do the opposite. He could open his arms wide and welcome her in. Pass on the blessedness rather than the brokenness. That was Joseph's choice, but that's our choice too. Because you see, every Advent season, we stand looking at these generations before us and thinking about the generations to come. And we have the opportunity to decide what we will pass on because this list of names that I just mentioned, it includes us. I don't know how many of you have been to a family reunion recently. Sometimes we think of the the Christmas time as a family reunion, but the last true family reunion I went to was probably, oh, when I was 15 years old. It was a Smith family reunion in the upstate of South Carolina. You can imagine how big the Smith family reunion was. It was like every typical family reunion. We all brought our favorite dish from home. We introduced ourselves to cousins that we were supposed to know from years gone by. All the kids were wearing their Sunday best, and we'd run outside in the playground and tear our clothes and get all dirtied up. But at the end of all of that, we would go into the sanctuary, and the oldest member of the church would read off the names of the patriarchs of our family, the brothers and sisters, the father Abrahams of our family. Smith family. And as each name was mentioned, people would stand up. They'd mention the Grady family, and a group of people would stand up. They'd mention the Dillard family, and a group of people would stand up. They'd mention another family, and a group of people would stand up. And I finally asked my mother, why is everybody standing up? And she told me, son, it's 
because it's our family too. They stood up when they heard their name called. They stood up when they realized that they were a part of the family. When we hear this long list of names, the name that ends it is the name of Jesus Christ. And when that name is mentioned, it includes us. It includes each and every one of us who have been called by God and welcomed into this family of faith. And as children of God, we have a choice to make of what gifts we will pass on to the next generation. Will we pass on the brokenness or will we pass on the blessedness? Will we say we're sorry for the things that we have done and will we hold up and hold fast to the grace and mercy that God has given us? Someday there will be other people sitting in this sanctuary and sanctuaries around the world, people different than you and I, and they will read back through the generations that came before them. They'll get to that name, Jesus, and I hope in those moments they'll be thankful for the gifts that we gave them. And they'll stand up because they'll say, that's my family. That's the family that welcomed me. When the whole world was broken and my heart was broken too, it was that family of faith that welcomed me. They'll know that because of Jesus Christ, they have a family of faith that they can call home. They'll be thankful for the blessedness that was passed on to them. And even more so, they will keep passing that blessedness on. Because you see, it's Jesus that ties that family together. It was Jesus that sustained that family generations ago. And it is Jesus that will sustain our family for generations to come. To the glory of God. Amen.